Tyler. 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 Are you going to be vacuuming up here too? Yeah. We're trying to record. Yeah. Yeah. Life goes on. Oh my God. <laughs> We're over here trying to make zero money. Can you keep it down? Yeah. <laughs> trying to be a good housewife. Yeah. He's so you good at it. Coco. You got it. You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> you and your jeans with no freaking socks on. What are you, a youth pastor? Oh my God. <laughs> you Where's your flip flops at? <laughs> and your puka shell necklace. And your puka shell necklace. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are mediocre. And we just spent the last, what, like 45 minutes trying to record our new ads? <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. What a journey. And it went exactly how you expect it would go. <laughs> Jinx, what did you just push on my computer? I don't know what happened. Okay, there we go. You're doing so good this morning. Um, <laughs> it's about as good as anything that we've done in the past. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Indubitably. But... It's a new month, yo. It is. A new Indeed month. Indeed it is. I can't believe it's October. That's Ugh, amazing. I can't. Honestly, the fact, first of all, the fact that it's October, but also second of all, the fact that we are what? Four episodes from episode 50. I know. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and if you think we don't have anything planned for this, then you're <laughs> wrong because we definitely do. <laughs> because it also just happened to fall essentially on our one year anniversary, which is also crazy indeed, indeed. Um, so we have to do something a little special uh we're in the works of planning we'll actually plan that one like it's not gonna <laughs> no yeah we, we will yeah. but um we're gonna celebrate yeah. our accomplishment of talking into the void for a year <laughs> it's a lot of work honestly it, no it is <laughs> um, among all of the like false starts we give ourselves we're like oh this is gonna go and then we just break apart <laughs> this is halfway through truly it's fine. Um, but yes, welcome to October. Today we're going to be talking about moose, which Mies. I'm Mises, mouses. I don't know. You know, I like it. Uh, that's wonderful. I love moose. They're like so. They're so much bigger than everybody thinks, uh, and that's why I like them. They're also so much faster than everyone thinks, and we're going to go over that too. Yeah, kind of that's frightening. A problem. We don't like that. <laughs> it's kind of absolutely horrifying. <laughs> So before we get into the Mises, yeah. um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about how our show is only for entertainment purposes and not for any kind of educational information. I had no idea where you were going with that. And the You're fact welcome. that you were just segueing it into the disclaimer was actually very beautiful. Thank you so much. I've gotten good at it after a year. <laughs> Thanks so um, much. <laughs> But as you guys know, we're not experts on anything. If you come to the pod to get any kind of advice, we're not the place for that, especially when you're trying to outrun a meese. Um, <laughs> but we are the place to learn about things and we encourage you to do your own research and like hang out with us and just maybe learn something you don't already know. It's true. It's true. And I'm in charge of the good news this week. There's only one story because Ooh. that's how we're doing it this week because Sounds I said good. so. That's why. <laughs> There's and no other reason. <laughs> that's, that's right. Exactly. So um, here we go. 
Florida has long ranked a distant third place behind California and Texas in installed solar panels. But now it is installing more solar panels than any other state, despite a policy landscape that's considerably more challenging than other states. And my main reason for picking this is because Florida gets a lot of bad news. It does. <laughs> There's a lot of really wrong. terrible things that happen in Florida due to their wildlife or just true. citizens or weather. Like it's, it's a mess. Yeah. So this, I felt we needed to put Florida on blast for a good reason this time. Honestly, I feel really close to this one now that I know what it is because I, that was my previous line of work. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway. So the Sunshine State connected 2,499 megawatts of solar generation capacity to the grid during the first half of 2023. Wow. Blowing away these approximately 1,600 megawatts added by California and the 1,200 megawatts added by Texas, according to the most recent U.S. Solar Market Insight report. It is the first time the state has taken number one in solar installations, making poten- making a potential for clean energy inflection point for a populous state with a dirty grid. Oh, a dirty grid. The way that they phrase that is very interesting, but basically yeah. it's making their grid a little bit better and yeah. not as not using as much like fossil fuels and coal, et cetera. Right. Florida's solar ascendancy is why do I do this to myself? That's um, a weird one too. <laughs> I know the the product uh, is the product of two familiar forces: the Inflation Reduction Act's clean energy incentives, and the stabilization of pandemic strained supply chains. Mm-hmm. So all is good. That's a good. That's good things. Yep. Um, it has also occurred despite energy policies that lag behind other states. Florida doesn't have a renewable portfolio standard and doesn't allow power purchase agreements. Mm-hmm. Two policies that have accelerated investments in solar across the nation. Mm-hmm. Solar policies in Florida have tended to favor utility-owned large-scale large-scale solar. <laughs> it's large a lot of solar. <laughs> There's too many L's. Yeah. Um, over residential and commercial rooftop power generation. Around 86% of the state's solar installed in the first half of this year was built by utilities. The state's largest power company, Florida Power and Light, accounted for 1769 or 1,769 megawatts over that period, followed by Duke Energy, which is connected 389 megawatts. It's quite a difference. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Despite the lack of a renewable portfolio standard, a ban on power purchase agreements, and dominance of utility-scale solar, Florida does not have net metering, Mm -hmm. a policy that pays rooftop solar owners for the excess power that they export to the electrical grid, which is a shame because that would be super beneficial. Um, Solar-rich states such as California, Hawaii, and Arizona have seen utility-led campaigns seeking to roll back net metering over the last few years. Claiming lost revenue and unfair cost shifts from their ratepayers, utilities often insist on lowering compensation rates for solar customers or adding fixed charges to customer bills. Mm-hmm. So, last year, Florida lawmakers proposed, proposed legislation that would destroy the value of net metering by imposing fixed charges and minimal bills for owners of residential solar systems. <clears throat> Not the solar system you're thinking of. Right. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. 
these anti-net metering efforts are typically supported by utilities, and that was certainly true of Florida Power and Light. Although this legislation favored by Florida utilities was passed, it was vetoed last April by Governor Ron DeSantis, our favorite human being, <laughs> just kidding, uh, who ascribed his decision to um, decision to concerns over inflation and escalating energy bills. Mm-hmm. Which is true. I mean, if you're, if you're yeah. in Florida, your utilities are probably pretty high because you always have the AC running. I can attest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Utilities have erected obstacles to growing Florida's residential solar, such as prolonged waits for interconnection, onerous reinsurance requirements, and institutional recalcitrance. Calcitrance? Recalcitrance? Calcitrance. <clears throat> but rooftop solar owners in the state still added 332 megawatts of, so- of solar capacity during the first half of the year, making it the number two spot in the country for home PV systems. So, the solar market across the whole country is forecast to add 32 gigawatts of new capacity in 2023, almost tripling the record of 13 gigawatts installed in 2021 and amounting to over half of the U.S. capacity in 2023, according to the U.S. Energy Administration information administration. The industry is rebounding from a difficult 2022 replete with trade conflicts. We kind of all heard about supply chains during Mm -hmm. that time. Um, Labor ethics issues and supply chain challenges. So that's where we're at. Yeah. I know when we were, so my previous job was with a solar company. I'm not going to name the company because it's whatever. And I have a lot of I have a lot of issues, but anyway, uh, one of the problems that we were facing at the time um, was, I believe, the ones that we were installing were monocrystalline, which are the more expensive panels, but they have higher performance and can capture oh, nice. more energy. Yeah, they yeah. were quote <clears throat> the better panels, but of course, this increased our cost, which means selling them was difficult in some regard because right all the other companies are selling poly you can get more for let blah 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 sure yeah but the issue was the monocrystalline panels had specific parts that were then strictly coming from china and we were having the issue with supply chain there which means we were also having issue with supply chain here and they were trying to come up with alternatives but there weren't any that were being released to the market um you know, because there weren't any here with the, yeah. with the same technology or at least nothing that could like kind of speed up that process in time for us to have different options. Um, So I also know that it was really expensive. And also during that time, to your point and to the article's point, they were trying to pass that legislation. The company was really worried. A lot of solar companies were really worried about it. And there aren't a lot of protections for people that have them. So there's not a lot of big incentives for customers either. Right. And I think there's more incentive in places like California um, to have solar panels because it kind of offsets your utilities. You get discounts for putting them in because you're doing something good for the environment, et cetera, et cetera. And also, unfortunately, having lived in Florida, I can say your utilities are high. I I don't think like even in when we lived in Maryland, even though uh, it was a rather expensive place to live. I still think we paid more in utilities in general in Florida. In Florida. Yeah. Um, so I totally get that. And, you know, outside of it just being clean energy, 
I mean, people are looking for incentives. So if you can't yeah offer a net metering option then yeah i totally understand why that would be difficult yeah absolutely but despite that they're on on their own top yeah and it sounds like the bigger companies that are putting them in are using their incentives to do that which is good i guess it is super good so glad to know that despite all of that they've come out on top exactly I mean, if you're called the sunshine state, I feel like you should probably have more incentives. Some, some would say, you know, <laughs> you would think. You would think. But you know right. what happens when you assume. You know what happens when we think. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right. You're so right. You can't be doing that. Uh, okay. So we're going to go straight from the beach to the mountains in the snow. I love that. <laughs> You know, there's like this thing called the California challenge where Mm. you spend the day going through all different types of climate because Ah. there's like, you can go from LA to the mountains to see snow to then go to like the fall and then springtime climate. It's like a whole thing. That's insane. And I think you can do it like most easily from Southern California. Yeah. I've also heard. Interesting. um, well, maybe it's not climate. Maybe it's terrain that I've heard. But Utah is like you can go from like mountains to desert. Like no, you can going top uh-huh. to bottom. But I don't. Oh, no, think we it's definitely we did that in the yeah. tw- in twenty four hours. Like it was misty and like mountainy and green, <laughs> and then we crossed over the mountain and it was like desert, like red. <laughs> you know nice. that clay looking. Yeah. yeah, nice. I love yeah. that though. Honestly, that's what makes it so cool to live in the. And I would say that's what makes America so unique. You know, you get yeah. kind of all the, yeah. all the options in one state. Exactly. Uh, but these states are going to be closer to the north. And in fact, I didn't know this, but it makes sense. But um, moose were even in New York. I don't know that they're still there, but they even made it all the way down to New York. Wow. Okay. I know. That's horrifying. Anyway. There's probably just not enough room. Yeah. Well, and the whole habitat situation, not looking good. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> also, when I made this episode, I thought, make all the boy moose go. Wow. <laughs> Shout out Princess Diaries fans. For real. That's our, that's our audience right there. It's yes. like <laughs> the people who loved Princess Diaries growing up. Yeah. We're catering this to you. <laughs> I still want to mattress surf down a mansion staircase. Oh, like, can we oh talk about God. that? <laughs> yes. Anyway, yes. we'll just get started. It's fine. We'll... <laughs> Chill. So, moose, alces, alces, which is fun to say. This is literally the same word. It's Latin. Is mm. the, the largest member of the deer family, Cervidae, order Arch. Oh, I've got it messed up. Hold on. Arteodactyla, using all the cool science y Latin words today. Moose are striking in appearance because if you've ever seen one, uh, you might agree. Uh, because of their towering size, they have a uh, brownish black color pattern super long legs an extremely long muzzle which is just their nose face area like bigger Uh than a horse yeah uh and what they have uh, underneath said muzzle is very unique as well it's called a dangling dewlap or a bell and it kind of looks like if a moose was a turkey they just have right like a a gizzard or something i don't know you know turkey gizzard (laughs) turkey gizzard that's right (laughs) turkey moose i don't know 
Um, they also have the very iconic wide flat antlers. Um, and mm-hmm. instead of a deer where you have like the all the very distinct points like tree branches, it literally just kind of looks like a dome with little spikes on the top. Yep. Like a reverse dome. Concave I really, I really feel like I if I was a Native American, I would mm. look at that and be like, bowl. Bull, <laughs> you would, and that's why there's the character Bullwinkle J. Moose. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the name Moose is common in North America, but it is derived from Native Americans. It is derived from the word moosh, M O O S H, called stripper and eater of bark, and it's the Algonquin language from the Inu people of Quebec, Canada, and in Europe, they call them elk. So, you know. Not to be confused with ours. Also, like elk. Yes, isn't that confusing? Oh my god! I was watching on TikTok the other day this um, girl who was at Yellowstone, and they were like mm-hmm. staying in the hotel there. Sure. On the park, and in the park, they let the animals just like roam. Oh right? yeah. So there's right. no like the elk could be right next to your window. Right. And that's your problem. That's your problem. Right. (laughs) It's like mating season for them. So uh, it was, she's basically like narrating it like it was The Bachelor. And like (laughs) all of these like female elk were like standing around. And this one male like elk was just bleeding. He was just like, like it's so loud and that's what they sound like (laughs) yeah and and she was like well uh he did not he did not attract anyone with that particular sound sad we're gonna yeah so and he was he was going up to each individual female like trying Mm. to be like will you mate with me will you (laughs) she was like nah i'm good thanks so much yeah he was like sniffing their butts and stuff it was a whole thing again i iterate if this it reminds me of the cat live stream. <laughs> if humans did this in real life, how awesome. So weird. Just scream so and sniff their butt weird. and be like, you want to hang out? <laughs> you want to hang out? You want to be friends? You want to be best friends? <laughs> in my in my cat's case, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> For real. Oh my god, that's literally gold. I love it so much. Yeah, it was. it's really good. I highly recommend it. You guys look up elk sounds. <laughs> In Yellowstone National Park, it's the best. Uh, you might find your your new best friend. <laughs> you might. You never know. You never know. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I interrupted. Go ahead. Okay. That was hilarious. <laughs> uh, moose inhabit the northern parts of North America and Eurasia even. And in North America, four subspecies are recognized, including the eastern moose, which inhabits eastern Canada and the northeastern U.S., the Northwestern moose, which inhabits central Canada and North Dakota, Minnesota, and northern Michigan. The Shiras moose, which inhabits the Rocky Mountains in the U.S. and Canada. And the Alaskan moose, because it's so freaking big, it has its own category, which obviously then inhabits Alaska and northwestern Canada. Although not widely accepted, some classifications also recognize several Eurasian subspecies, including the European moose, the Siberian or Yakut moose, the West Siberian or Yusuri moose, and the East Siberian or Kolima moose. I think it's so cool that there's so many. Whenever you think of moose, I just think of a sing- like it's just a moose, but there are so many different options for meeses. Many meese mooses. Mm-hmm. So many. Yeah. 
In addition to differences in geographical distribution, the different subspecies of moose are further distinguished by, of course, their size, um, pillage, antler characteristics, etc. And the differences in regional body sizes appears to reflect adaptations, of course, to their local conditions, which is just something natural, just based yeah. on what they are. Yeah. Moose primarily exploit plant communities of deciduous shrubs that have been disturbed by flooding, avalanche, or forest fires. They are avid visitors to mineral licks, of course, as well, which horses, they're not deer, but horses and deer also enjoy a good salt lick, if you don't know. True. It's just rich in vitamins and minerals, that's why. So in the winter, they may avidly um, consume conifers, such as the fir and yew trees, in areas of very deep snow, they may even tramp a system of trails called a moose yard, which is fun to say. And in summer, they may also consume large amounts of aquatic vegetation. The large, mobile, sensitive muzzle appears to be a specialized feeding organ that allows moose to export the large stocks of submerged aquatic vegetation in shallow lakes and streams. And they can dive up and stay up to 50 seconds underwater while feeding, which is horrifying. They're very excellent swimmers, and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I did not know moose were aquatic until yeah. this moment. Aquatic moose. It's the aquatic I, moose era. I was going to say, like, the fact that they're so big and they don't eat meat is crazy. Yeah. All, but yeah. also, but, like, the fact that they can go underwater mm-hmm. is wild. Because I'll you take just... a horse in water and they can swim. Yeah, but like it's, it's not a mess. S- yeah, <laughs> yeah. A horse and water. I, it's, it's it's hilarious to me. <laughs> not great, not great, not great. But then you take a moose, which is like twice the size, and mm-hmm. like they still have the skinny legs and everything. Indeed, just, that's wild. Yeah, okay. we'll get into it. Wait till you learn how fast they can swim, which doesn't sound fast, but for the size Good of Lord. animal, I'll, faster than me, probably fast, definitely faster than us. Moose are bold and readily defend themselves against large carnivores. During calving season, moose cows face grizzly bears and black bears. In late winter, when the snow is deep and moose cannot flee, they defend themselves against wolf packs. They choose hard, level ground with little snow for maneuverability, such as ridges blown free of snow or frozen lakes within a um, thin cover of snow. And when hindered by deep snow, they back in defense conifers to protect their vulnerable uh, region and lower haunches from attacks by wolves. They may then charge the wolves and attack them by slapping them with their front legs and then kicking them with their hind legs, and they're powerful enough to unalive said wolves. Wow. Which is just sad time. Can you imagine, like, hitting someone and it's just, like, dead immediately? Just a whack! <laughs> I had a moose slap me right across the face. I died. It was I fine. I died instantly. <laughs> Man. Insta-kill. KO. It's just sad. Anyway. Unfortunately, um, this has happened before where moose have often killed humans Not as well. shocked at all. <laughs> In Siberia, hunters armed with muzzle-loaded guns feared wounded moose far more than they feared large brown bears. That's how aggressive <laughs> they can be. I don't and, blame them. Yeah. Due to the thick skin on its head and neck and its dense skull, which I think is kind of rude, uh, an attacking <laughs> moose would not be readily stopped with a small round rifle ball of soft lead. Obviously. Stupid moose head. Stupid moose head. <laughs> your thick, dense moose face. <laughs> 
so rude. Your snout and your dense skull. Now I know why they charge. They're being insulted on the regular. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Dense. Their feelings are just hurt, guys. Exactly. Don't hurt their feelings. Kind, be kind to your local moose, okay? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, moose normally escape predators by trotting at high speeds, which again we'll talk about later, uh, which forces the pursuing smaller predators into expensive and tiring jumping, but which costs a moose relatively little energy. Um, it readily comes to bay, but on its terms, it chooses low water where wolves are hampered in their movements, of course. Although moose are excellent swimmers, it does not choose deep water because uh, northern wolves have relatively large paws and are also excellent swimmers. So they kind of certain areas have to adapt to those kind of predator issues. Fair. Uh, but predation by wolves and bears removes the infirm, but may also severely deplete healthy calves despite the spirited defense of their mothers. So, of course, you know, just natural selection, you're going to have. Some of those off chances were a wolf who has also adapted in that environment to have bigger prey options may just end up unaliving the moose. It happens. Moose do mate in September, uh, which was uh, last month. So we're now free of mating season. So that calves may be born in June to take advantage of spring vegetation, of course. The mm -hmm. antlers are shed of the blood and gorge skin calls velvet in late August, and the bulls are in rut by the first week of September. Rutting bulls search widely for females, but the bulls may also attract females with the smell of their urine, which I think is fantastic. They paw rutting pits with their forelegs, pee, and then splash that said urine-soaked muck onto their hairy bells, which is again the gizzard part. Oh, interesting. It's like cologne. <laughs> yeah. oh, disgusting. <laughs> you smell that, ladies? <laughs> I peed on myself. <laughs> Delicious. Again, in human context, hot. this is horrifying. <laughs> this guy was so hot. He just... <laughs> I can't even go into what I was going to say. <laughs> it's the aroma for me. I did not expect this episode to go this way, but I'm so happy it did. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, the females Nature are... is beautiful. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty gross. The <laughs> uh, like, females, just for context, can also be called cows in this case. So like cows, elk, bull, moose. This is why people are confused. Anyway. That's true. So the cow or female moose in this situation in turn may call to attract said bull. So they smell that and they're like, mm, that's my man. And they'll be like, and then they will just like mate, I guess. Is that the exact sound that they make? Uh, of course. I totally <laughs> researched it. It does not in fact sound like a crow. Asking for a friend. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I nailed it. Actively running bulls appear to receive more than 50 punctures per mating season, but they are protected by thick skin on the front and the neck, of course, which is also what helps them with predation issues. Running is expensive as bulls lose virtually all of their body fat and their festering wounds must then heal. So they're wow. like, it's a lot. Okay. I mean, they really you, be charging at each other. Do what you got to do for love, I guess. Uh, mm. <laughs> interesting because, yeah because of their large body size as well they also have long gestation periods of about 230 days absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not mm -mm. i'm gonna go ahead and hard pass on that one hard pass the the unfortunate part is that twins are often common as well so now you got two for 230 days absolutely not 
The young are born tan in color, which contrasts sharply with the dark colors of the adults, which again are that blackish brown color. They -hmm. grow very fast, but require maternal protection against wolves in the winter, like we talked about. They are driven off by the mother shortly before she gives birth again. So she's like, get out of my house. I have more to take care of. And then dispersed yearlings will roam in search of new living spaces on their own. Young calf moose and human hands tame readily and emerge as surprisingly intelligent, mischievous, but extremely loyal creatures. As mounts and beasts of burden, moose are superior to horses in Muskeg and Taiga. So those are just regions. Mm. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, moose became scarce owing to severe exploitation in unsettled times in Eurasia and to uncontrolled markets who were hunting in North America. However, they responded readily to protection and management. Today, moose are, of course, abundant in Eurasia and North America and are cherished game animals, which I don't know if you can call something a game animal and cherished at the same time, but maybe that's personal. It seems like an oxymoron. I mean, apparently they eat the snout. Uh, oh, specifically like that that's is not what I thought you were going to say, bro. Me neither. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> uh, however, the other issue so they're like oh they're recovering everything's good blah 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 we've got the maintain the issue is with the restoration of also predator fauna so of course the save the wolves programs mm-hmm. north american moose are again declining mm. <laughs> so you save mm. one you curse the other i don't really <laughs> you know yeah um so with all of that i also do want to talk about moose safety really quickly Ooh, okay <laughs> just a little bit um, not be- that the average person encounters moose true in the day-to-day life but very true and i know, know some of us have seen the videos of people or their dogs out i know i've seen one where like there's a dog out and the guy's like oh my god and like the moose charges at the dog and like it's like this whole thing where they're trying to get inside and like whatever yeah. so most people have seen moose aggressively in yeah. videos and context so i just want to be very clear of course Like any other animal, moose can be very aggressive creatures depending on the circumstances surrounding it. There was a girl that I went to college with who that it was that it wasn't. Oh, Chad. Wasn't it Sweetbriar? Um, And she ended up after graduation moving to Alaska. Oh. And she posted these videos on Facebook of like Mm -hmm. moose being like right outside her house. Yeah. And. All, it was amazing and cool, but she right. like couldn't leave her house. Right. You don't right. want to get too close to the moose. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it was cool. They are cool. Well, then they're huge. Like you see, it's just. Right. Yeah. It's massive. Like, exactly. So generally moose are perceived uh, by people to be less dangerous than bears. More people in Alaska are often more injured by moose than bears each year. So that perception is debunked immediately. However, moose will usually flee when threatened. Of course, under certain circumstances, they can become aggressive like any other animal. People can be hurt when moose charge, stomp, and kick to protect themselves or their young, particularly during mating season. Understanding the body language when they're stressed can, of course, help you be safe. Fortunately, what you should know is most moose charges are bluffs. They're just kind of warning. It's like a snake when they like, you know, when they like false, Mm -hmm. like move. It's just to help you back up and like know to maybe move somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
But if a moose does actually charge, don't wait to find out if it's bluffing. Like this is not a like chicken game that you should be playing. No. Yeah. <laughs> the idea is to run and get behind something solid like a tree or retreat to a safe place inside a building or a car. Because even though they're not normally aggressive, like we've been talking about, things like people surprising them, dogs surprising them, cars even surprising them. If they're hungry or tired, like me when I'm hungry and tired, you get or a like little aggressive. Mating season, I'm mating sure. Mating season is huge. Some people apparently even throw things at moose, which I think is just a death sentence. Terrible decision. Making. Also, super rude. First of all, you called them dense. Now you're throwing things at the moose. Right. <laughs> like, this is That's, not a bully situation. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. So give the moose an extremely wide berth if you happen to encounter one. If you have a dog, do not let them loose. Keep them close. Try to keep them calm or remove them from the situation altogether. If they're in the road or driveway or whatever, you just kind of have to be cautious um, and either let them take their time to get out of the way or, again, just keep that wide berth if you really need to get out. Um, of course, every tolerance level of each moose is different. Do not be waiting around to find out which one you've encountered. Um, so anyway, basic moose safety. Again, September to October is the mating season. So just kind of steer clear, especially if you see a calf yeah. with them. Yeah. And with that, I think we'll take a little moose break. Small break. Small. All right. We'll see you guys on the other side. As you may know, we have all suffered from mainstream podcasts and live streams with good, reliable Wi-Fi. This has caused countless views and followers for these influencers and created large communities who engage regularly on their platforms. If you're tired of having quality sound, video, and overall material for consumption, we've got you covered here at Mediocre Content Podcast. Introducing Blair's Crappy Wi-Fi. Have your podcast editor in literal tears each time you try to record. With Blair's crappy Wi-Fi, that's me, you will have to edit every few moments of absolute silence as Blair is constantly dropping from the call. You can even use Blair's crappy Wi-Fi on live streams and have your sound echo into the abyss and your video drop, preventing viewers from seeing or hearing you. Because why would they want to? To purchase Blair's crappy Wi-Fi, you can send your application to MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. Simply stating a time Blair's crappy Wi-Fi has made your experience listening to podcasts and streams absolutely awesome. We look forward to hearing from you and good luck making it through the rest of this pod with, you guessed it, Blair's, Blair's crappy, crappy Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Obviously, this is a fake ad, even though my Wi-Fi is, in fact, crappy. Feel free to email us all the same, but there's no way I'd be willing to give this crappy Wi-Fi to anyone, not even my worst enemy. Cheers. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to continue on with our moose adventure with some exciting moose facts. Uh, I say exciting. You guys might not find these very exciting. <laughs> we'll see. I think they're exciting. Okay, good. <laughs> might be scary. <laughs> so the first one is that moose can actually move each ear and each eye independently, which kind of made, you know, we made the comment about the density of their skull before. Can you imagine a moose looking like a lizard with its eyeballs? That's just horrifying. Chameleon vibes. <laughs> Chameleon vibes for sure. A moose's home range can also vary from five to 50 square miles, which I think is a huge range to have. I feel like all the ones that have five square miles are just introverts. You know what Absolutely. I mean? They're like, I don't want to hang out with anyone. So I'm going to stick to these five square miles. That's fair. They're usually solitary anyway. So they're usually off on their own most of the time. And, you know, unless they're a baby. Right. 
The average lifespan is eight years for a female, seven years for a male, though some can live up to 20 years. Uh, there's also several vocalizations that they can make, including a loud bellow, as well as croaks, barks, and other rutting mating season sounds, uh, like caca, yes. for example. Um, females just kind of moan a lot because uh, they're probably tired of being hit on, and the young just <laughs> grunt. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> They do sleep on the ground, similar to deer, leaving beds of flattened vegetation or depressions in the snow. So you might That's even so be able. Cute. I know. So you might be able to identify if one's around. <laughs> so. We were driving um, near Yosemite and mm-hmm. I looked over and there was a little horse farm oh. and one of the horses was like laying completely on its side. And I'm like this. <laughs> I know it's sleeping, but it looks bad. It Absolutely. Looks really bad. There's a lady on TikTok that made her claim to fame because her horse literally gets so many calls from the neighbors. Like she's got a dead yeah. horse in the back <laughs> and she's like, yeah. it's just sleeping. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. Excuse me, ma'am. Your horse is dead. Actually, <laughs> officer. He's playing. He is dead. breathing and it Laura, is just laying on the breathing? ground. <laughs> oh my gosh. It takes me back every time. Mm-hmm. They can also store 100 pounds of food in their stomach at any given time, which is good for them because it's sometimes a long winter and they're in the snow. So you got to have storage facility in your own stomach, I guess. Each year from April to August, uh, the male moose grow a new set of antlers that can be as much as four to five feet wide and weigh 25 to 30 pounds. These large animals can run through the forest quietly, quietly at speeds of up to 35 miles an hour they can trot at 20 miles an hour and they can swim at six miles an hour and dive pretty dang deep while they're doing that so just that's the fact i really wanted you all to know (laughs) if you think you can outrun a moose you are literally dead and wrong (laughs) not a moose being in a residential area and exceeding the speed limit Absolutely. I'm surprised they don't get more tickets. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just put it right on their antler. Just, <laughs> and then just like like parking tickets. Yes, know? exactly. I know that you want to run through this neighborhood, but I'm going to need you to go at trotting speed, please. It is 25. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a healthy adult moose can eat 40 to 60 pounds of browse daily, which is just them. Like, it's just munching. It, they're just grazing is basically what it means. Yeah. However, uh, something that deer have, and remember, a moose is technically part of the deer family, but there are diseases that deer carry that they're unaffected by, such as brain worm. Those tiny parasites that are carried by white-tailed deer can often uh, infect moose, as well as something called liver flukes, and they will eventually die from these very serious infections. So I don't really know how it's transmitted. It might be in poo or just mm-hmm. by being around other deer yeah. coming into contact it. But deer are like, eh, I don't really care. It just kind of lives with me. Moose are like, I'm gone. Like, this is it. Literally dying. <laughs> Literally dying. Unlike other members of the deer family, though, they don't travel in herds. Like I said, they are pretty solitary, of course, unless they're babies with their mom. But they are eventually kicked out so that the mom can have new babies. Normal moose can stand about six feet tall or 1.8 meters tall from hoof to shoulder. They can also weigh more than a thousand pounds or 450 kilograms. This is different from the Alaskan moose, which is 
again in its own subspecies and literally called gigas, meaning giant. They are, of course, the largest subspecies with male adult Alaskan moose standing as tall as seven feet or 2.1 meters at the shoulder uh, or from hoof to shoulder. And they can weigh up to 1,600 pounds, females 1,300 pounds. So they're, wow. they're really big. Really big. You're like, yeah, shack size. How tall is shack? Let me Google it really quick. It's basically shack, but a moose <laughs> is, you know. I don't think Shaq weighs 1,600 pounds, but I do think he's pretty tall. <laughs> don't call him fat. He will come for you. Yeah, well, they called the moose dense, so. So Shaq is 7'1". Wow. So yeah, so th- he's literally as tall as a moose. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, and that's only to the moose's shoulder, though, to yeah. be fair. Like, yeah. you have to include, like, the whole head and snout and, and true. antlers and all that. That's true. Yeah. A moose could eat Shaq. It wouldn't, though, because it's not a carnivore. Correct. (laughs) It doesn't have the mandibles for that. That's the only good thing about moose, I feel like, is that they don't eat meat. Because imagine if they did. They would be, it would be on site. Like, literally. Our whole race would be so gone. So gone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So those are the cute little moose facts. Some of them less cute than others. But the final thing I want to talk about is a little bit of their genealogy, just because I'm a science nerd and it's fun to talk about genetics. Well, I think so. So species inhabiting the taiga, such as moose, present adaptations typical of both cold adapted and temperate species, because obviously in the upper part of the United States, they're not going to be necessarily as cold as somewhere like Canada or Alaska. Mm-hmm. The taiga is described as a boreal biome situated between the tundra and temperate habitats characterized by deciduous forests. Interestingly, variation in antler morphology of moose suggests phenotypic adaptation to open habitats such as tundra and, of course, then to boreal forests. Therefore, moose may have displayed an intermediate demographic response to past climate changes between that of a reindeer and a red deer perhaps characterized by less severe demographical fluctuations. So temperate. Hmm. Okay. The modern moose first appeared in the fossil record some 150,000 to 100-ish years before present day. And there is evidence that moose populations were negatively impacted by climate change, of course, during the Pleistocene era. That's hard to say. It is. (laughs) <laughs> the glacial refugia moose population in Eurasia seems to have comprised two distinct genetic clades that evolved before what's called the last glacial maximum, or LGM, and then diversified afterwards. Radiocarbon data future suggested that moose were absent from large parts of northern Europe during the LGM. However, during that period, the distribution of moose extended as far south as the Italian peninsula, the Balkans, and the Carpathians, which is pretty wow. far to That's the south. That's really far. Yeah. During the Holocene, Central and Eastern Europe were recolonized by moose from a glacial refugium in Eastern Europe and Scandinavia was recolonized from the south via a southern land bridge, which if you know geography, you know that that used to exist. The northward shift of Eurasia boreal forests at the end of the LGM not only facilitated the recolonization of higher latitudes, but also allowed moose then to colonize North America because of the land bridge. They were able to move there. Uh, without having to swim across the sea which i feel like they could have but (laughs) whatever i mean possibly (laughs) scary to think about but maybe (laughs) 
While both Europe and North American moose populations display evidence of founder effects and bottlenecks associated with past climate changes, there is also evidence for recent anthropogenic impacts on their genetic diversity. If you don't know what founder effects and bottlenecks are, I highly suggest you look it up. It'll explain a lot about other species as well. In Europe, the recent population history of the species were marked by a range-wide, excuse me, bottleneck dating back some 18 to 1200 years ago, and a more recent decline in moose numbers was also documented in the 18th and 20th century. Population declines during the Holocene contributed to shaping the current pattern of genetic diversity, where the Scandinavian population shows the lowest genetic diversity and the highest inbreeding. So mm. this seems, I mean, obviously this happens with other species as well, where there's so few that you end up having these inbred genetics. And that changes yeah. a lot. I mean, we've seen that in the past human genealogy as well, the effects of inbreeding and the true effect of having such small genetic diversity in your genome, because that yeah. means if one of you is susceptible to something, pretty much all of you are. Yep. And of course that's bad for the species. Uh, similarly, the species experienced a recent bottleneck in North America associated with human induced decline. So like habitat loss, for example, in the 1800s, which could also then have exposed our, our current moose population now uh, from inbreeding issues. So again, if one group of moose hasn't adapted to not being affected by that specific deer parasite, chances are none of them have because maybe they had inbreeding issues. And now that's just something that's genetically issuous with, with the, with the population. Uh-huh. And that's it. <laughs> that's about all the moose facts I can give you. Really. Um, there's not a whole lot else to know other than maybe don't taunt it by calling it dense and throwing things at it and just let them live their best yeah. moose life. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like with every wild animal, keep right. your distance, admire from afar, use the zoom on your camera. Mm -hmm. You know, we're Be not trying to make friends with the moose. No. Uh, it's tempting. I'm not going to lie. It is very tempting, but not the best idea. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that I hope you guys enjoyed learning about the moose. I I'm very partial to moose in general. So this was good for me. I, I feel good about it. I feel good about it too. Thank you so much good. for sharing your love of moose and meeses. Of course. Anytime. Also, just to clarify, I probably should have said this at the beginning. Um, meese is not the appropriate <laughs> plural of moose. Just so everyone knows, we're just being stupid. We're yeah, we're just being ridiculous. It's just moose. It is yeah. both singular and plural. And plural. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Just clarify in the English language, it is not meese. We're very aware. It could be, but it's not. It's not mooses either, or no. mooses. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. You would think mice, but it's not that either, because there's already no. a mice. So there is. They had to come up with something right. else, and they're like, let's just make it the same. Yeah. <laughs> How confusing. Uh, but yeah, they. you guys can connect with us as well. Yes. Yes, you can. Um, you can connect with us at MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram or TikTok at MediocreContentPodcast. Or catch up with us every other Thursday on Twitch Woo. Um, at Meteor Content Podcast. And that happens at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, or 11 p.m. BST. 
Um, and don't forget to rate us five stars on any platform at no. all. Like, you, I don't even think you can rate five stars on TikTok, but you can <laughs> put five stars in the comments. Do what yeah. you got to do. That's how we know you listen to this podcast, that yeah. you put five stars in our comment section on one That's of our right. TikToks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, we hope you enjoyed your moose lesson. And we will see you next week for some more October content. Cheers. Cheers.